Here we are with episode 52 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. We are back again. And this time we've got Brenda Bader Lips. She is one heck of an athlete and a superhero mom. This summer, she was the women's champion out at Mikey B's Trident Ridge to Nowhere. She took home that amazing trophy by Bree with Wicked Skins. She's also done the Iron Horse 100K, which was her first 100K. And not only was she your women's champion, but she also played second overall. So, hey, we talk about the sand. We talk about the heat. We talk about life. We talk about track, cross country, and all of that. So, hey, let's kick it off with Brenda. Hey! Hi, Joe. How are you? Well, first, do I call you Joseph or Joe? I don't know. I've gone by Joe, Joseph, and then my last name for like years. Cool beans. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah. First off, I got to ask, do you just love the sand? Because I know you've done like Trident, the half, the 12 hour, and you've done Iron Horse. And I know there's a huge sand loop out there. Um... No, actually, you know, this was something that came about after running Yamato Scrub a few times. And um, someone had said, you know, there was there's a, an inner loop at Yamato Scrub, which is all single track and it's a little bit of sand, but it's like varying terrain. But if you run the outer loop, it's all sand. And it can be really great if you need like a recovery run, easy on the joints and the bones. So I gave it a shot and started running there. And found that I really loved it. And I found really comfortable. It was just nice getting off the pavement. I had had my first stress fracture, actually. Oh, gosh. Um, Was it 2021? Or it could have been a year before. And I was really frustrated because in 2020, I'd actually qualified for Boston. But um, as you know, that was that was canceled because of COVID. So um, there was talk of it, you know, there being another, a Boston where they had, you know, like a, a, a harder qualifying time. So I kept training, not knowing when there was going to be another opportunity to qualify. And I just ended up injuring myself because the training, it just, it went over the top. I never got any of that recovery after four months uh, of training for it. So um, when I came back, I wanted to make sure that I was running trail and any kind of like soft terrain. So I just found that I really, really loved it. And um, if I have to run, which is, you know, during the week to run pavement, I'll do that just to like as a means to end, get the mileage up. But I I certainly prefer it. But I I find that I even like the the sand better than the single track, actually. And (laughs) I mean, it's, it's funny because I've been watching, I think since 2018, 2019, I, I was watching, I think it was Gina Donato, and um, Katie Dodge and I saw that they were running this this crazy event on the sand dune, and I was like, "Wow, this seems wild!" You know, this is I've never seen anything like this. I mean, everything is just a new experience. Vista View, just the races I've done, I've only done three this year, and each were so different, but still so much fun. You know, yeah, my kids know. <laughs> I'm like a total fangirl for this this sport. Like, um, it's funny. It's like I I make my my uh, my ultra crush is Jamil Curry, <laughs> <laughs> but he's great. He's fun, you know. And he's I yeah. love that first year of Cocodona. That just blew me away. I mean, it's guys like Jamil and Ginger Runner and like the oh yeah the, yeah like Jamil's um, running vlogs. That's the stuff that got me my senior year in college. I was like well, shoot, that looks cool. Like, I got to start doing that. Like, that seems more like my jam. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, listen, I'm I ex- exactly am the same way. That's what got me so motivated was watching. And I love, I see, I listen to all of Ginger Runners um, podcasts as much as I can. Um, I enjoy all their content. And I listen to, you know, all of Jamil's content too. You know, the Run Steep Get High, the Aravepa, you know, running. I, I love it. I think it's great. And I love Michael Versteeg. I love anything he's <laughs> doing. <laughs> so, 
yeah, I mean, I just really, really get into it. But just for the pure love of it, you know. I still go back to some of those old vlogs that it used to be great. You know, you wake up in the morning, I'll, I'll slap on one of these uh, vlogs while I'm driving out to the trailhead. And even though that video is like three, four, five years old now. Oh, yeah. When he was like in the hat and the and the, the sunglasses. It was super cool during the Cocodona, during that live feed for this year's, or the, yeah, I guess this year, this past year, whatever you want to call it, for Cocodona. Always hopping on there on the live feed and I'm like, hey, here's the Florida update. And then the commentators were like, oh, and now we finally have our Florida update from Florida Trail Running Podcast. You know, oh, Steve wow. Sawyer's doing this. Krupski's doing this. Da, 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 da. That's great. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic race this year and, and last year. I enjoyed that. That's sort of like a bucket list race for me. I don't know when uh, I can get out there to do that, but that would be definitely something. I mean, that seems like a life, you know, once a lifetime experience for sure how they have all their aid stations set up too it's just like okay this seems like really doable it yeah i, I mean and it seems like i mean you had runners doing it in just under three days you know to what five days maybe longer but yeah you know i guess we could kick it off with a little bit about yourself and how did you end up doing these things called ultra marathons like what was that journey to get to this point um okay well I guess it started, I, I came from a very athletic family. Um, we were all soccer players. And I grew up playing with my brothers from early on. And being on, in, in those days, we used to call them traveling teams, but competitive soccer, um, state select teams. And that's really was my um, intro into any kind of sports, organized sports. Middle school, I joined the track team and of course wanted to do what everybody else wanted to do which was the 100 meter run <laughs> there was no space for me there i wasn't a, a a sprint specialist so i was i was just would go to the meets every week and just wait for an opening and finally i think the coach said you know our star miler is out and you know if you can if we want to run that because nobody else wanted to do it so i jumped in and um, I think it was a pretty competitive meet because there was a lot of attention going on. There was a lot of, I think there were some top county runners there. So uh, I had no idea what I was doing. And I said, well, what do I even do with this? So I entered the mile. Uh, I, I, I kind of had no idea how to approach it. And he said, just um, stick behind the leader, pass her in the end. And it, that ended up working for me. And I ended up winning the race. And wow. I continued to do well through middle school and caught the eye of uh, a couple coaches in Coral Springs High School, and but ended up running um, for Tim Nichols and Jim Hill at uh, St. Thomas. And um, had just this amazing experience there. I, I still continue to play soccer, but um, I ran cross-country and track, but I loved cross-country. From then, I mean, Tim, Tim was pretty incredible. He was a, a huge inspiration for me. He took me under his wing and kind of introduced me to that whole lifestyle, that running lifestyle. We trained with like, uh, you know, groups of people like of all ages. We would meet down in Hollywood and plantation golf courses and uh, we'd play ultimate Frisbee and then we'd go for a long run. And it was this like great community, which is why I think, um, even though I'm new to ultra, only about a you know over a year, year and a half or so, it feels so familiar to me. Is um, is I just I'm used to that group of runners just loving running, and having a great time. Friendly people, great personalities, and that really, I got that start you know with Tim. He took me under his wing, and I. He um, took a group of us. Uh, we were like a St. Ambrose running club down here. And we went to the National uh, Junior Cross Country Championships in California. Competed. Uh, and actually, my, it, my first ultra actually was a relay. It was, it was called the Tropical 50. And it was held down in Tropical Park in Miami, actually, in the late mid to late 80s. And I can remember at that time we were doing like a... Like uh, everybody had to run 10 miles and two mile intervals. But um, I can remember just having a blast and just running all night. I think it even started um, in the evening and ran all through the night. And I, I think Miami runners, if I remember correctly, it was Miami runners that put it on every year. You know, it's so funny. I brought up, I brought up the Tropical 50 because I can't find anything in the archives about that. You have to go to Miami Roadrunners to, they, they have that, I'm sure, in their archives. 
because that was a race that they put on. But um, Mike Melton, I think I put it up on Facebook, and he spoke up and said I he remembered who won it. He remembered the format of the race and everything. It was really cool. That was neat. You know, a lot of these old school runners. But that's, again, it's like, I think that's like with people like you and me who've had all these, you know, older kind of idols you know, that we've been like running these people that have been running in the community forever. It's sort of like, you know, we become part of that history, you know, and that's for me, that's why it seems so familiar because, you know, that's how we grew up running. Um, so it just kind of got started, um, got very, you know, was competitive in high school. You know, I wasn't, um, you know, uber talented, but I, you know, I was an all-county runner all four years. Um, I always qualified for states through regionals, really had a successful career in high school running cross-country and track. And I continued to play soccer, but I really fell in love with the running. My dad, he would take a timer out during the summers and I would run mile loops. And um, the idea was to do negative splits. So I feel like I've been training loops forever <laughs> since I'm like 14 <laughs> years old. And it's really familiar to me, but it becomes very natural and I enjoy it. And I, um, that pain, that feeling, that fatigue. Uh, and I also, you know, I was born and raised in, uh, I, I was born in North Miami Beach, lived in Coral Springs in Boca my whole life. So I'm very used to the heat and heat training and I'm okay with it. You know, I, I prefer running in cooler temps, of course, but um, I, I enjoy it. I love running. So I would run through all those summers since I was 14 years old. Had a six, you know, somewhat successful career. Tim used to uh, take us to courses. I mean, I use a lot of the same things that he taught me even now. I mean, we used to go to a course before a meet, uh, learn how to run the tangents on a course, uh, learn about blind surges. Uh, we learned about, you know, VO2 max testing and and how we can improve, you know, um, lactic thresholds and tempos, intervals. So being in that pain cave was familiar to me at like a very young age. Interval training, I, I still love it uh, to this day. But um, he was kind of an amazing guy too. I mean, he was a, um, a, a champion in his own right. Um, he ended up being and still continues to run. He was an All-American he was uh, in, in race walking, triathlon, duathlon. He competed in the Olympic trials and the in 20K. I was a national champion in age group in triathlon. So Tim really gave me that that start in competitive racing, and that's where I I think I got that mindset where I just every race I still kind of uh, use that traditional uh, periodization for every race that I do. I don't just um, casually enter a race and just say, oh, we'll see how I do, just do it socially. I do pick a race and I'll train at least three to four months for it and um, put everything into it. He, he was a major influence there early on. Yeah, I feel like, especially when you're in high school, because I know a lot of people when they do like ultra marathons, they've usually have entered the sport a little bit later on versus like for us, like I had Bob Schul growing up. He won the gold medal in 1964 in the 5,000 meter in Tokyo. You know, it's like, it's all these little things that you learn early on that definitely, you know, come into play later in life. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. And you really, I think you learn um, at that point, if you, if you love it, you learn that that's what you want, you know, for your life as a lifestyle it becomes a lifestyle it's not just a sport anymore you know I, I played soccer and loved it but I don't play soccer anymore I love running it's something that I hope to continue to do you know as long as I can <laughs> as long as my body holds out and we'll have to pick up something else but I mean I love it and it's a passion and you know it keeps me going you know um, it's something I look forward to doing Focusing on a new race, you know, that, that definitely helps stay motivated, stay disciplined. It's, it's great. I was, I was thinking we were talking about shoes earlier, but um, Tim, I think he was like an ambassador for Nike in the day. And basically, we, you know, I had very big feet as a kid. And I can remember he would give me all his shoes where Nike was still coming out. And this is like in the late, late 80s um, when the Pegasus first come out, came out. And I would get all these great experimental shoes that Nike would put out. Um, and that was really, really neat 
to the, I wish I, I wish I still had that opportunity actually, <laughs> but I was running in waffles back in the day when they first, you know, in the eighties. So, um, it's kind of neat to see how like the shoes have changed over the years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think everybody has a different experience, but I, I think the people that have been for me personally, it definitely started at a young age. Yeah, with running in the 80s, I think some people get a kick out. Like you had the Internationalist, the V Series, Reebok had their GL 6000. You know, the Air Max ones came out in the in the 80s. Like, oh, I remember a lot those. Of good <laughs> yeah. Oh, we love those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of good shoes that came out. I'd love to find a pair of those Air Maxes. They were great <laughs> with the little clear in the in the in the sole, actually. <laughs> the little window. It was a great gimmick, but they were cool shoes. Yeah, I, I always remember running the uh, the Pegasus back then were big, and the air the uh, waffles were that it was like that flexible spike for cross country, super light, not a lot of support. But of course, running in high school, you didn't need a lot of support. <laughs> they were great. Hey, you're just there to wear them out. But yeah, so you went from high school, and then you know what was that next step into you know sports? I know you dabbled in like triathlon. Yeah, I um, didn't run through college met my husband uh we uh, in college uh did a lot of free diving instead and kind of got off and did a little bit more adventure it was a little discouraging you know after in my senior year um as an adolescent you know your body is changing as and i see this especially in uh, girls in sports and women in sports um at that time your body's changing so quickly um you can put on weight um and sometimes you know that affects performance and my coaches were pretty great about it um i never had an issue there but it was kind of you know confusing to say like you know why am i slowing down i'm working just as hard and it was it was difficult to accept that you know sometimes you see boys in sports you know later in high school you know they'll develop strength and it's not always the same for girls um so that that became definitely something that was discouraging i i did take a break after I graduated, even though I, you know, I loved running, I did well, I, you know, I wanted to focus in, in, in school and, um, not, and I, I didn't do many, uh, sports, but, um, after college, um, my husband, who was also very athletic, um, he was like some amazing, um, surfer, swimmer. He was, uh, just a natural athlete. He loved to swim. Um, not a great swimmer, <laughs> but, um, I, I, am not the great swimmer. He was a great swimmer, but, um, worked at it and, um, I was capable and continued to do that. Um, so, um, running found me again and we, we decided to, um, run together and start training together. And we did our um, first marathon together, actually. I had never competed. I mean, I'd competed, obviously, road races all my life, but never the marathon distance. And we both tackled that together uh, right after we got married. I guess in 2001 at Disney. Uh, focus training. I think I was using at the time PhD, of course, now Jack Daniels. Every time you say Jack Daniels, people kind of laugh. But um, <laughs> I used Jack Daniels formula to do my first marathon. Did really well there. I think I did like a 326 for my first marathon. Of course, that was, um, you know, when I was 26 years old. And um, I, I qualified for Boston. Um, so that was that was exciting. And from then on, it just, you know, we started together. I mean, that, that was really important in our life uh, before we had kids. We would play hockey together. Uh, we free dove together. He taught me how to free dive. Um, and um, he just had this incredible, like, lung capacity for it. But um, we did that and continued running. Of course, one of us got injured. And as everyone else, they find their way into triathlon. So triathlon was the next step. And we loved doing that. Uh, we competed, and this was probably the um, the late '90s, early 2000s, competing all distances. And I, I think I, over time, I think I found um, that I wanted to get more competitive. That was a, as well. And I, I trained with a uh, Rachel Wood, who was an amazing coach. She, in her own right, another, you know, an Ironman. Uh, Masters World Champion at Kona in 2002, I think. She was like a 
a Sprint Masters champion, um, Xterra regional champion. So I had all these incredible athletes around me to train with. We actually trained for the first Miami man, uh, half Ironman, which was, I think, in 2004 down at um, in uh, Larry and Penny State Park. But after that... Um, I thought it was, you know, it was time for to start a family, and I took a very long break to focus on that. Um, Garrett continued to compete and train, and and I loved every bit of it. I loved being a mom um, and um, just being with the kids. It was it was wonderful. Um, but as the kids got older, um, we kind of found our way back to that again as a couple. And because that was really always our thing, we would run tempo runs <laughs> on Friday nights. And that was like our date night, a tempo run and a movie. So, um, yeah. And so after kids, I mean, we, we started to, you know, find our way back to that. But, um, you know, unfortunately, um, in 2015, I lost my husband to cardiomyopathy. Um, and it was um, very unexpected. And our whole life, yeah. Um, came to a halt we it was something that shook us to the core obviously we 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 had a difficult time um the kids and i uh you know struggling through grief and understanding what had happened so uh for for a few years after that uh the girls and i were just trying to you know uh continue a a life you know and and to um you know we we as a couple we had this this amazing life together and um, as a family, this idyllic life. And so that was a, obviously just a complete shock as, as my friends say that, you know, we had the, the rug pulled from under us. He was a, he was a healthy guy. He was athletic. Um, he didn't never drink or smoke. So that was really, really hard to handle. Um, and it, it took a couple years. Wow. Yeah. Especially with grief, you know, it's obviously it's hard to handle, but I feel like it comes back to, you know, what was that common denominator of just pure happiness? You know, like, obviously it brings back so many, you know, mutual memories, but it's also like the constant in your life and what has been your passion and, you know, that source of all your happiness and joy. And, you know, it was pretty devastating. I thought, it, you know, maybe a way to deal with my grief was to try to get out and run again slowly but surely after a few years. Um, I had some back issues because, um, you know, stress can really um, hurt you physically as well. I mean, it just can, obviously, it breaks down all areas of your life. But I did find some joy again with that by, you know, getting back into running, uh, getting back into riding, you know, at first getting back on the bike. Um, I was traveling a lot with the kids, trying, really focusing on making their lives full and trying to make them happy in any way we could we had many adventures you know we continued camping all the things that we did as a family um so after that then I, after it feels like you know I, I started getting healthy again i felt like i was getting strong again um i started training again and this was probably uh what maybe 2018 started to really come back 2000 late 2017 2018 and you know i actually i had met someone um uh, my former partner Eric and he um, we trained together we trained together on the bike and he was the one that kind of pushed me like hey you know you came back to running again if you really really miss it and you love it we can do this safely we you know picked out a pair of hokas um, and slowly but surely got back into running again and um, you know taught me about nutrition and I had like this second phase of getting back into triathlons and running again and was was successful for a couple of years, actually. Um, I, and, you know, local races mostly. I got some of that confidence back and some of that strength back, which felt really great. I uh, started get back into running again. I think I ran another marathon. I gave it a shot, I think, in 2019. I um, trained for and I ended up qualifying here in Fort Lauderdale for a Boston Marathon which was just, just so exciting. Um, I, I couldn't wait. I, I trained so hard for that. I had planned for that to go back and, and, and race there. Of course, this was for the 2020 uh, Boston and COVID hit. So um, after that, I mean, I, I, 
they I think they had canceled Boston in 2020 with only like a month to go, um, which was really difficult because you know I I didn't just qualify I earned a bid as well. So to have that taken away was um, considering I I had trained um, at least six months to nine months for that race. Um, so of course everything was put on hold. But all of a sudden, you know, we started seeing um, these um, things online, like virtual races. I think I started seeing um, the first time I ever heard about it was um, Laz was putting on this uh, great race across Tennessee, this virtual race. And um, I thought that was like something totally unique and interesting. And the first time I learned about Backyards started seeing friends doing like these crazy things like um um my nathan i'm sure a lot of people uh, talked about nathan in the past but i saw nathan doing uh nathan gearing doing a, a hundred miler i think in his neighborhood just as a individual effort and katie dodge she was doing uh, fastest known time attempts i think she actually did one across um along the levee uh, for a hundred k in the middle of summer <laughs> so I, I mean, you have all these like these really cool um, uh, attempts by by people just putting on their own individual individual events, and you saw that going on, you know, really, you know, throughout the country, and that was really the thing that kind of inspired me uh, was seeing those little these things going on that people were doing, you know, these challenges for themselves to kind of keep it going. So um, I was still kind of you know hung up about Boston and figured, well. Um, you know, maybe I need something really epic to kind of turn this around. Um, I saw for the first time Laz's, uh, the documentary about Barkley Marathon, yeah. which I probably watched, I probably like a hundred times. I'm not even, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it completely fascinated with that. And I said, well, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to try something. So I, I signed up for the 2021 Crimson and they were still having all kinds of problems um, getting cleared and had to actually have the race at Cole Creek State Park instead of what they normally do, which is like a single track, a beautiful course. Um, but it was still gorgeous. And that was my first experience in, in ultra was that that crim zoom in Cole Creek 50K. Which is fun because that's like now where I have my house. That's about 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I had never been to that state park I, I love to camp i've been camping my whole life and um that was the state park i've never been to and the cool thing about that was they let us camp there um before and after the race so i just i set up my my tent and literally was in within like a quarter mile of the start and finish which was awesome you know it was it, was, it happened to be a beautiful evening so uh that was a great experience for my first 50k um, ended up doing really well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I took like a, a road racers approach to that probably in training. Um, you know, I wrote, I run mostly, uh, during the week on pavement, uh, cause I like to stay close to home obviously. And on the weekends, if I can get out to a trail, that's when I'll do like the longer, slower, you know, trail runs somewhere. That was, that was incredible. And from that moment on, I was hooked. And I, it really, I mean, ever since then, I, I, I haven't been able to stop. So uh, after that, I think um, the next race was the Vero Beach um, Octopus. And um, I was seeing all these great things going on. You know, Michael had put up, you know, I think during COVID too, they, they had started that race out of a garage, if I remember correctly, in 2020. Yeah. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and the course was beautiful and interesting. I love the idea of you had all these different legs. So went out and did Vero Beach, uh, the Octopus Ultra. Loved it. I ran that. I met Amy uh, Colombo for the first time on that race. Uh, we got lost together. That was probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was like sure that we knew where we were going. We just were running down the beach. We were headed to, to, to Miami, actually, I think. But uh, we had seen some runners turn around. We had just missed the turn. Um, but that was just such a great experience. I remember her turning to me and saying, you know, well, you're now you're a real ultra marathoner. You know, you, you've gotten lost on a course now. You can say you're 
<laughs> your real <laughs> marathoner. But, yeah, it's all part of the fun. Oh, it is. And, you know, I think that's when it kind of occurred to me that this was such a different sport, you know, than road racing because, you know, I would not have the same reaction had I been on a marathon course and, you know, looking at mile splits. I mean, this was just about the experience. And um, so we had a great laugh about it. And I kind of learned from her in that way to kind of take things in stride and, and finish up. And I was so happy to continue and, you know, be surviving that course because it's very difficult. It's very hot and uh, loved it. Loved that as well. So finished up, you know, that was pretty successful as well. After that, I, you know, I felt somewhat trained and in shape. I had all this great base from running in the summer, running in the heat. Um, and for, I think it was for a couple of years, I think I even uh, registered at one point and then uh, canceled in, in 2019. There was this race going on called the Trident. Yeah, the sand. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, you know, I was seeing all, everything on Facebook. Um, I think the first runner that, you know, stood out to me was Gina Donato. And um, I think at the time, Katie was doing it as well. And I said, you know, I just thought how great this was. Um, so different than any of the races I've ever done before where really surviving um, this event rather than racing it was really um, the, the whole point of it, you know, just surviving the heat, surviving the sand, the elevation. And that just totally intrigued me. And I just wondered, like, gosh, I wonder, you know, how I could handle that. And I was kind of wrestling with it and, you know, commenting here and there. And I think Gina finally said, hey, there's just one spot that opened. You need to do this. So, <laughs> I, so I did. That was in 2021. I signed up for the daytime because at that point, then it became like um, the double, the, um, the marathon event. Then you had the nighttime and then the, sing the uh, daytime half. I think the only spot that was open was the daytime half. So I took it. Of and, course. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, and it was, it was great. And, you know, it was funny. What was surprising me is um, because I had trained so much um, at Yamato Scrub, which if, you know, you have the inner loops there that are all single track, but on the outer loops, that's all soft sand. Um, of course, you don't really have that elevation, but you, if you want, I mean, you've got the heat, and um, the outer loop is like a 4.1-mile uh, loop. Um, so I had been running, you know, all summer long on that. So I was more prepared than I even realized for that, for that race. And um, kind of surprised me, you know, I, that I ended up winning that, which was, you know, so exciting uh, to have my first, you know, that was um, to be in an event like that with so much buzz going on and, um Finally, you know, meeting some of these great characters out there um, <laughs> that I just uh, fell in love with. But that was it. After that, I, I was really hooked to the sand. And I thought, well, maybe I have a knack for it. So just continue that and, you know, uh, continued racing. After that, I, I, I hopped back on the bike because I love, I, I love the bike. My, the bike is also a true love of mine, um, especially getting a gravel bike, which seems to go hand in hand, actually, with with ultra marathon and you see a lot of ultra runners uh doing gravel racing which is really cool so usually in my training i love to mix it up so i don't get that burnout all throughout the summer i had been you know gravel biking three times a week or um, on my trainer on my tri bike and then uh, continuing with the run the running and then hop back into uh, vista view um in this past uh january and then hit my uh the 100k at iron horse this year in february and that's and a fun race too winston puts on a good race oh yeah that, that was amazing um it's beautiful out there i mean you're really in the middle of nowhere you're in the this beautiful uh kind of you know north central floor the forest um and the weather was so beautiful it was really the first time just running in cold weather um so I love that. He was great for it to be my first 100K experience. And um, afterward, 
having, you know, him, he had um, at all the aid stations, I think I stayed up, you know, watching the other runners coming in, you know, he was cooking uh, ramen all night. And I think that was the only thing that I could eat at that point. <laughs> but um, that that was another great one. I mean, on that race, you know, I, I think that there was another guy and I, we were running together uh, for the first 20 miles or so and um, decided, you know, kind of left him and like went for it. Um, but he was always within a mile of me or throughout the race, actually. So um, that was interesting. You know, I really, you know, try to uh, keep up the pace. Um, I was really competitive for that race and ended up winning the Iron Horse for my first 100K. So that was a thrill. That was just a total thrill. After that, I, I continued to train doing some gravel, some races on the bike, and then got back into training for summer where I had my sights set on the ridge. Um, once I saw that Mikey had put up this race that he was doing, um, which sounded just incredible, that not only do you have, you know, the, the, you're racing on uh, the, the Trident course, but you're racing it over 12 hours, um, you know, which would get you to about 40 miles. And now you have elimination loops and, you know, <laughs> yeah. which really changed the whole dynamic of the race, you know, um, but um, I think that was the thing that intrigued me the most is that the idea that um, I, I think I think most runners going into that race, you know, th felt confident they could handle the distance, um, felt confident that they can handle the, the heat and the sand. Um, but when you start thinking about that, every other loop was in a in a uh, elimination loop you know, then you have this in uncertainty um, because depending on how everybody else's fitness, you know, would it be down to, you know, 10 runners, you know, at seven o'clock or six o'clock where you're, you know, racing against the elite guys or, you know, so there was so many different variables for that race. I, I don't think I've ever been so nervous for a race actually, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I trained hard for that one. I put everything, my heart and soul, uh, into that race over the summer. That was my A race. I did as much um, research as possible. I watched every backyard I could get my hands on, what they were eating, how they were training. I think I took a Hal Corners 50-mile uh, uh, racing plan and just like kind of destroyed it, modified it, <laughs> but to incorporate some of that um, gravel, some biking, but uh, within uh, two months or so, I, I just focused on the running. I, I got really into it. Um, and then where I realized was that after running a few times on the course, pacing really wasn't going to be the issue. It didn't matter about your speed. It was going to definitely be about the long haul, keeping your heart rate down, staying hydrated, keeping those actual, the electrolytes up. Because um, I was losing so much training during the summer after doing a sweat test and figuring out that I was losing quite a bit and getting dehydrated easy. That was, that was the key. I think that was the most important thing of that race to me was keeping your electrolytes balanced. Yeah. What's a sweat test? I've, I've heard of it, but I've never actually, I've never actually figured out what that actually was. I think, I think I found it on um, runner's world or, or, Powerade or um, one of the sites. I mean, it's it's very basic. I mean, there's different tests you can do, but it, it's just straightforward. Um, you weigh yourself before you go on an hour run. Um, and, you know, you want to choose like a run that you're doing like the same temperature or the same part of the day that you would run your race. And um, uh, I didn't take any fluids in for an hour, see how much I had lost in that hour after drying off. And then converting converting that weight to ounces, and then there's a I think there's like an equation that you can come up with how much you've lost and how much you're going to need to take in um, either every mile or every every hour or every 15 minutes on and accordingly you know depending on what kind of temperature you're running in. So it was a little scientific, but it was fun to do that. Um, I love data, so I'm an analyst anyway. So this is something that I enjoyed, you know kind of getting um, really precise. Um, and I think I ended up finding out that I lost quite a bit. I'm, I'm a sweater. So um, I started upping my salt intake by a lot, um, surprisingly a lot. 
Uh, and I, th- I think if anybody suffered out there or um, is bonking or had, you know, severe cramping, I think on, on that race, because you're starting at noon in the middle of the hottest day of the summer, um, I think you have to really look at how much sodium you're taking in or how much electrolytes you're taking in over the day. And it's more than you probably think you need. I think I ended up averaging for the Trident or for the Ridge um, 750 to 1,000 milligrams of uh, sodium an hour, which is, it sounds crazy, but um, I I didn't have any issues with cramping. I had gone to the Ridge, I think three weeks before and just practiced my nutrition, practice the loops. If you park in the parking lot there and you, and you run from the parking lot, it's a four mile loop instead of a three mile loop. So um, you can get back to your nutrition. You can kind of practice that hour in recovering, refueling. I did that, I think um, three weeks out and for three weeks. Um, and figured out really what worked for me. And that really was it. Um, especially after seeing, uh, I ran out there with Amy. Uh, one weekend, I saw Matt Clapper out there running. And he kind of convinced me, you know, yeah, you know, try this. Um, I think he was using either precision uh, hydration or rapid hydration. Gator Light actually makes a very decent rapid hydration fuel. And I, I really saw the difference in that. I felt so much better running, and that made for me that made all the difference in the world. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how would you describe the the Trident course for someone who's never ran it before? You know, I was thinking about what was the hardest element. You know, was it the heat or the sand? Um, I think overall, um, the heat definitely is the number one thing because once you're dehydrated, there's just no coming back from that. But the course itself is this um, sand, very sandy, and it's the kind of sand that's not like beach sand. It's actually the finest sand that I've ever run on. Um, there's some sections of that course that are just seem like baby powder. So the, even the sand itself, it's very, very fine sand, very dusty sand. And I think this was a very, very, seemed like a very dry summer to me. So that sand was was not compact at all. Um, <laughs> the elevation definitely uh, takes the wind right out of you, um, especially in the center of that the, the area, maybe um, starting into that second prong, I guess you call it, for the, for the trident. But that definitely, I found that to be really difficult because there's some little steep sections there that, I mean, you're, you're forced to walk. And if you're not used to walking, that can really take it out of you as well because um, you're out there, you're slowing down, and you can really feel the heat um, from the sand. Um, So that's exhausting. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the elevation. So obviously going up a sandy hill, yeah, you power hike it, you walk it. But once you go up, you know you've got to go back down. How is descending down a sandy hill? That I enjoyed, actually. Um, I didn't have any problems with my footing. It felt very familiar to me. I enjoyed that, actually. I was, I didn't hurt my, I didn't feel like that bothered my quads at all. In fact, the only time I, I had some issues, you know, halfway, I could feel, you know, my quads were beginning to tire. But um, no, that, that didn't seem to bother me too much. In fact, I enjoyed that to get a little bit of a breeze coming down. I think a lot of people I, that I saw were really moving down those those downhills, using those to pick up speed. I know I did. But the course itself is beautiful. There is no shade on the course. Once you get, <laughs> that's, it's just brutal. There's just really no escaping it. I can remember just kind of training all summer and um, just trying to get to hide. And there's no place to hide. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's really difficult. The, the sand, I think, is the definite, you know, the heat, the sand, the elevation, um, um, you know, that definitely makes, make it a, make it a difficult course, but it is beautiful. I mean, it really is a beautiful course. It's just very difficult in the middle of the day to run on. And I I would definitely, if you're going to train for that course, um, like I said, mostly I trained on Yamato scrub. I, I was doing, I did about at least 10, 20 plus milers, um, out on those outer loops of Yamato scrub. And I just did loops. Um, 
And I think the, the thing that helped the most um, on that Trident course was um, when I trained there, instead of doing the three-mile loops, I did the four. So I had an, um, less than, an, you know, obviously, I, I still gave myself an hour to do four miles, um, but less recovery. So when it was time to race, it did feel a little bit easier that I didn't have that extra mile to go. So that I would recommend trying that. That definitely helped in training. Yeah. So, hey, take me into the race. You know, how did the race go? You know, race morning. Well, I mean, I, it's funny. I, I went into that. Um, like I said, I was so nervous for that race um, because I felt like I um, put so much into it. And two days before the race, I couldn't walk. I, I think I had, I was so nervous that I think my muscles tensed and I, I didn't think that I was going to be able to run the race. And then I was worried. And I, I think I even told my parents before I said, oh my God, I've, I've overhyped it. I've made myself nervous. I'm not going to be able to run this thing. <laughs> um, uh, and at that point, I think I had started talking to um, Joey Lichter, who was doing Vol State. And um, he had decided not to go ahead and do the ridge because his feet were a wreck after the after Vol State. And um, we kind of talked about, well, you know, maybe I should use a crew because even though I had this, you know, really precise nutrition plan and fuel plan, I knew that maybe after six or seven hours, I wasn't I wasn't going going to eat or it wouldn't be easy to, you know, get a sandwich down or, you know, I didn't really have the experience of, um, a hot 12 hour, uh, race. So I was a little unsure if I'd be able to execute that plan. So he agreed to help. And, uh, I'm so glad that he ended up doing that because, um, that really was everything. Um, we started out that race and every loop I came in, kind of had that nutrition ready, what I needed. And I was pretty clear about exactly everything that I needed to take or I wanted to, was aiming to take in as, as far as fuel goes. I did switch um, three weeks out to Mikey's recommendation of the, the goo uh, nutrition, the actual, the drink, which I love. It's great. Um, it was a little higher in carbs and, um, and in salt, which was, was great for me. And um, didn't bother my stomach at all. Um, so I loved that. That that worked really well. And like two gels. I think I ended up doing like uh, two gels an hour and continued with the electrolytes. And then um, I had ice on my handkerchief. My um, Like it's a little a Nathan handkerchief with a zipper. So you can just store the ice, wrap it around your neck. Um, people had that. But I continued doing that um, all through the night. I never stopped using ice. Um, I overheat, so it kept me comfortable, and I think that made a huge difference too. Um, to keep that core temp down, was um, the ice in the hat and the ice in the handkerchief around the neck was everything. I mean, I had a, I think I had a great plan in place, and I had um, a great crew to kind of help execute it for sure. Um, Mark Kudok was there volunteering and helping people. Um, so his experience was just a, just an enormous help, you know, being able to kind of look at me as I was coming in and saying, okay, it looks like, you know, you could be using this, having the suggestion of changing my socks, um, you know, how are your blisters, things that probably I was too tired to even think about after halfway through. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the start of that race, um, we were ready. I was ready to start. I was ready to go. And, um, I, and it was, it was incredible that, that first loop, I, I had a pace in mind that, um, from training out there before, which I thought that, you know, I shouldn't be maybe doing faster than, you know, 10 thirties because that I would not be able to hold that pace throughout the 12 hours. Of course, I went faster than that <laughs> with the rush of the first loop started out, uh, really strong. I felt good. Didn't feel like I was overheating. But right away, um, they, we had two girls run out. Um, they were running a really strong pace, Dorothea and, and Susan. And, um, and they held that pace, actually. They were the front runners, I would say, for the first five loops, um, running really, really strong. And at that point, I knew 
I wouldn't have been able to keep up with them even if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> so I kind of, you know, I kind of settled back and decided, you know, I'm like, I have to run my own race. Um, I was kind of aiming for third, but, um, you know, we had um, Amy and, and Renee and Katie Dodge right there. And these are all really experienced, smart runners. So I feel like it was anybody's race, really, um, at that point, you know, um, for third anyway. And I know at some point uh, uh, Susan was injured and she may have dropped. And um, uh, second place was kind of falling back a little bit um, after halfway. But I think that the loop that was the killer, and I think for a lot of people, I think it was either that uh, four or five o'clock uh, PM loop that by that time that sun was so strong it was so hot it had rained a little bit it was steamy and you could feel that heat coming up from the sand I mean it was really <laughs> at, at that point it was starting to get unbearable and I got a little worried oh when do you actually feel the heat coming off of the sand I felt like because um, I think the heat had just been building there all day you know, your, your adrenaline's pumping, so you really don't feel that heat. Um, it takes a couple hours to kind of set in. But for me, that was the most difficult hour. I, f I felt overwhelmed at some point, and I was a little worried that I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm going to be lucky to finish this thing. And <laughs> truly. And um, but that I think at that point, it was brutal. Definitely. That, those late afternoon um, segments were the hardest part. And um, we were kind of bunched together. I came in. Uh, I think Joey looked at me and said, it's time for you to start eating solid foods. And um, I wasn't really, I had made myself some little golden potatoes and kind of a little bit of fat, a little vegan butter and some salt and started switching up, getting, you know, getting away from the gels, started eating solid foods a little bit and um, started taking in Coca-Cola which was um, a game changer. <laughs> I, I hadn't planned for that, but that really was everything. It was incredible. After that loop, if, I almost felt like I had a second wind after that, eating some uh, solid foods. So yeah, now you've raced in the sun, you know, the sun's coming down. How did those miles go? But as soon as that sun went down and that sun set and was starting to set, it was like, it was the most beautiful sunset. It was a huge relief, and um, it did make a huge difference. But by that time, I think Mike was saying that, you know, by that time, you're so you're so tired <laughs> that you you almost don't get to enjoy that little relief because at that point you're just you want to be done. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, I think um, maybe by the sixth or seventh loop. Um, I knew it seemed like I was possibly moving into first place, um, but I didn't. Um, I didn't want to know what my time was. I never, at any point of the race, looked at the stats, didn't look at the results, because I kind of knew that that would kind of change the dynamic of the race for me. And I know that that <laughs> I would get competitive, or I, or I would start running in a panicked kind of sense, uh, worrying about placement. I didn't want to worry about that. I just wanted to worry about keeping that consistent pace, getting my fuel in. Um, and I continued to do that, you know, for the remaining loops. Um, and as we went on, as I discovered for me, um, on those elimination uh, loops, instead of um, maybe taking it back and slowing down, um, maybe as a tactic, I started putting in some time there instead. So on those loops, it continued, maybe I would um, keep my pace up or maybe even go a little bit faster. So maybe I could get 30 seconds or 15 seconds here and there when I could, um, which really helped. All those, those seconds counted for sure. Um, but I knew the girls were right there. At that point, I think after... Um, that seven o'clock hour, we were, we were together and we were all running together. So I knew it couldn't drop back at all. 
and I enjoyed it. As as soon as that cooler weather hit, as soon as um, night fell, I felt a lot better. Um, but of course, I was starting getting like mentally fatigued and like, eh, you know, I, I want this to be over already, <laughs> you know. Um, and I was definitely, you know, getting excited at some point because I felt like, okay, I'm putting a little, you know, um, uh, distance maybe, you know, some time in, you know, between the girls, but I still didn't know at that point. Um, everybody was running really well. Katie was running well. Amy was running incredibly. In fact, um, this was the first time I got to meet her. I uh, loved her, fell in love with her on that run. Um, she had me laughing the whole way. Um, just a great, strong runner. And um, it seemed like everybody put in, like, um, would put in a strong loop. Um and a great effort. So at that point, I may think it was really kind of anybody's race if they wanted to really push it. Um, by the end of the race, um, you know, we had that, we had the 11 o'clock hour and that, that final uh, loop was an elimination route. So um, at that point, I think I looked over at Joey and I wanted to know how much, time I had. And I think I even said to him, like, how much do I have to suffer on this loop? And he told me I had time. I, I think I had, um, I think I had gained like seven minutes at that point. So I said, okay, you know, I don't have to panic, you know, just run a strong loop and, uh, I'll be all right. But, um, it, what was crazy about that final loop, everybody was so motivated and, that was felt like the fastest loop of the day, even though it wasn't times we had all slowed down over the course of the day, but every single runner that towed the line on that last loop, um, they were there in it for the win. It was incredible. Um, um, it was this kind of the silent charge and, um, everyone running together and this camaraderie, it was incredible. It was, it was almost surreal. And I think Renee took it out really hard and she went for it. She was leading the loop on that last one with Amy and Katie and myself. And um, all the guys were sprinting. Um, and of course, you know, we're running with headlamps on. It's at night. And I just kept thinking to myself, don't fall because that's all I need is a bad <laughs> fall. And, this, and really, I mean, theoretically, you know, you could lose anyone could lose the race just by, you know, one bad fall or one misstep or, you know, a cramp, you know. So at that point, it was just really important to just stay on my feet. Um, and it was, it was really funny, even though I did have that time, I felt like that reflex, that competitive reflex definitely kicked in. And I just wanted it so badly to come in. Um, but we, we, we did together. Uh, we ended up, I think it was Renee, Katie, and I ran in that last loop and Amy right there. Um, it, it was amazing. And uh, I think uh, Dorothea was there as well. I think we, I think we had five women in the, that final loop, if I'm, uh, I'm correct. Um, it was so exciting to hear that because at that point we were coming down that, you know, final last downhill coming into the finish line you could really hardly see anything and just hearing each other we're just kind of cheering each other on I mean that was just such an amazing moment just such an honor to run with those girls these experienced runners um I, I think that was the highlight for me of the whole race just that final downhill together running it in to be amongst these these amazing athletes how did you feel finally crossing that finish line for the last time? It was so great. I mean, the only person I saw, like I <laughs> could just see Mikey be there at the finish line. And um, he had been so supportive during uh, my training because I had put it out there so much that I wanted this. I wanted to respect the race. Um, I wanted in, you know, there were, I think there was a lot of runners, it sounds like, that were saying the same thing to my that wanted to make him proud and, and train really, really hard for that. Um, so, you know, to see him there at the finish line, I mean, that was really everything. And um, that was just the most incredible feeling, probably um, one of the best races of my life, just to have that feeling crossing that finish line and, 
and knowing that I had done it. Um, but um, yeah, this just with this incredible teamwork and this incredible support around you. I mean, it really is uh, true what they say about this ultra community. Um, it's just this the most supportive group of people, and it really makes it special. I I I, I think I um. Last year, I tried to go back and run a marathon. I thought maybe I'd sneak in. Actually, it was this year, after, right after Iron Horse, two weeks after Iron Horse, which was pretty stupid in retrospect. But I tried to run um, Fort Lauderdale A1A Marathon. I said, well, I have all this fitness. Maybe I've recovered enough. Let me see if I can get a Boston qualifier in. I ended up just missing it, even getting a little lost on off, off course, if I'm honest. But the experience wasn't the same at all. Um, I didn't enjoy it like I've been enjoying these races and these runs, um, that pressure to keep the pace. And um, it was just so many people. You don't have that real personal connection, you know, like you do at these other races where you know that the race director is putting their heart and soul into this race and they're caring about every competitor um, that's doing it. It makes all the difference in the world. So that was really, really special. To, to have that moment uh, and and then just I think after that just as um, the crew was packing up and I feel like I was just sitting there in a strange little daze <laughs> for an hour in my chair with horrible blisters on the bottom of my feet that was the only thing that I didn't do and I'd forgotten to do was to tape my feet and um, they suffered pretty badly but I mean that was just that was an amazing experience I, I think everybody should Definitely give it a shot. Take a summer, train for this race, um, you know, focus on their nutrition and fuel and give it a shot because it's, it's incredible. It's, there's nothing like it. I, I, don't, I was thinking about this before that, you know, with the backyard, you don't have that elimination. So that adds that competition and that sense of urgency like on, on every other loop to finish and, you know, not be the last one coming in. So, I mean, the, the cool thing about this was like, th this was like the first race that um, training throughout the summer, my daughters saw how motivated I was getting up, you know, every morning at the crack of dawn and, and training. Um, and this, I think this year was like the first year that they were really got it. You know, they really got you know, it wasn't just like I was going and doing another triathlon or a road race. They really saw how passionate I was about it. And that was everything to know that I had this support and they were calling me, you know, how am I doing? And, you know, they were with my parents. And of course, now my parents have become my biggest fans, which have been, it's been, that's been pretty incredible too. Yeah. The buy-in from the family is one of the, I think probably one of the coolest things with like racing and stuff like that. Cause like, they actually they get it. They, like, wow. Like, and it's, it's such a role model type of thing, too. Yeah, I, 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 I'd like to think that, too. Because, um, you know, even, you know, as we have these failures, you know, not all runs can be great. Not all, you know, you can't win every race. You can't, you know, to have that support around you. I mean, really, you, you can't do anything, you know, without the support of your friends and family. So I think that's why I had such a great summer um, because everything seemed to come together and I was able to stay healthy, thank God, and, and have this amazing experience. You know, I've been struggling a little bit um, after the race to get motivated again. Um, I, you know, haven't been able to get back in my groove really, but I think that's important for them to see too that, you know, sometimes you can put everything into it and you don't come up with a finish or you struggle and that's just really life. And, you know, um, so hopefully they see that, you know, it's important to work hard for something that you love. You know, don't do anything just, you know, half-heartedly. Put everything that you can into it. And, um, you know, most of the time, you know, it, it, you can come away, you know, successful. Uh, you can come away with win. But sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you get injured. And, um, you know, you'll take a couple steps back, but that just makes you stronger in the end. And um, hopefully, you know, if that's like the takeaway, hopefully that they can learn a little bit from me from that, that, um, you know, racing it is, it's a, it's a lot like life, you know. 
And, you know, you have obstacles every day. And, you know, no matter what, it's the most important thing to get back up again and, um, you know, uh, try again. Just try again, you know, take a break, recover and give it another shot. And it's okay to fail. But um, I think I think Ultra is a lot like that, you know. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I am signed up for a few things. Uh, I'm going to do the Osprey in a couple weeks. Um, running and some great runners there, some amazing athletes. It is great to be running with all these strong women. I'm uh, excited about that. I've signed up for long haul, so that would be my first 100. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Got it tattooed to my thigh. So oh, I'll, you I'll do? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, everybody says wonderful things to say about that race and that it's the perfect 100 miler. So, um, and Andy's great. Um, I met him. Uh, he's just another great personality. You know, just, you know, these people, they're just positive people that you want to be around. And I do find that I, I long to be with these people. I long to see them at races again. Um, I long, you know, I cherish any kind of group runs that I can get. I cherish those runs. Uh, running with Amy, uh, doing a marathon with her uh, was the highlight of the summer for me. Amy Colombo, she's just such an inspiration to me. She's, I think, the strongest person i know just the strongest runner just an incredible person yeah so thank you so much this has been kind of incredible and my first podcast so heck yeah that was awesome yeah thank you my kids are surrounding me now my little support (laughs) group and my cats (laughs) yeah it is actually going to be on spotify (laughs) my daughter just asked me <laughs> Got Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. Apple, iHeartRadio. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, I will not keep you any longer. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. It was Especially hearing about how that whole course went. Thank you again, Joe. Thanks. Bye. And there we have it for episode 52 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. What an amazing story and what a journey to and during this summer's Trident Ridge to Nowhere. I mean, come on, who doesn't love the sun, the sand here in Florida? She'll be taking on the Osprey next. So, of course, we wish her luck. And hey, until next time, happy trails.